Hello and welcome to the Proxima Weekly Debrief. I'm your host, Maura Murphy, reporting to you from New York. Today is Monday, March 15th. Starting off in the U.S., Puerto Rico's P3 Authority is currently evaluating two possible public-private partnerships following previous awards for the modernization of the island's transmission and distribution system and its ferry services. The authority is evaluating a concession for nine regional airports to improve their operational and maintenance efficiency. It will analyze the benefits of grouping the airports by region with a possible award of more than one PPP agreement. The airports are located in Aguadilla, Arecibo, Sibia, Culabra, Cumanco, Magallanes, Ponche, and San Juan, which is on Isla Grande. The second P3 undergoing evaluation is for modernizing and optimizing the Treasury Department's collection processes. Moving to the continental U.S., but staying on the topic of U.S. P3s, the University of Maine has issued a request for qualifications for a public-private partnership to develop student accommodation at two of its campuses. UMS is interested in exploring various options, including design, build, finance, and potentially operation and maintenance of the developments. It is seeking to add 180 to 200 beds of townhouse-style housing on its UMF campus and 200 to 220 beds through a suite-style development on the UMPI campus. The deadline for submissions is this Friday, March 19th. Moving up into Canada, Tidewater Midstream and Infrastructure has announced two renewable diesel projects at its Prince George refinery in British Columbia, Canada. The company will invest 215 to 235 million Canadian in a 3,000 barrel per day standalone renewable diesel and renewable hydrogen complex on the site, including a pretreatment unit to provide multi feedstock capability. It has received commitments from the provincial government from the form of BC Low Carbon Fuel Standard credits for project construction costs. Operations are anticipated as early as 2023. Tidewater also expects to complete a 10 million Canadian fluid catalytic cracking co-processing project at the refinery during the next scheduled refinery turnaround in spring of 2023. Also in Canada this week, the board of directors of Interpipeline has determined that the hostile takeover bid by Brookfield is not in the company's best interests and it's recommending to shareholders that they reject the offer. The offer values Interpipeline at 7.1 billion Canadian. The board believes the company is performing well and is nearing completion of its largest growth project, the 4 billion Heartland Petrochemical Complex that will deliver a step change in cash flow from next year. A comprehensive review of strategic alternatives to maximize shareholder value has been initiated. TD Securities, Burnett, Duckworth and Palmer and Dentons Canada are advising the inner pipeline while JP Morgan has been retained by the special committee to assist in the strategic review. Moving to the UK, the UK government has launched new innovation challenges to help reduce deployment costs for green energy projects using energy storage, floating offshore wind, and biomass production technologies. A total of £92 million will be made available for three areas. The government has allocated £68 million towards the development of innovative energy storage technologies, including for heat and long-term storage projects. As part of its commitment to power every home in the country with wind by 2030, the government is making 20 million available to unlock the potential floating offshore wind technology around the UK coastline. A further 4 million pounds is allocated for innovations to help scale up sustainability sourced biomass feedstocks and the production of energy crops to help meet its long-term climate targets. 
Going around the globe to Australia, Fiber Expressway has unveiled details of its 1.5 billion Australian and data center project plan for Western Australia and Northern Territory. Project QOT will include a 10,000 kilometer 5G enabled carrier neutral subsea cable connecting with three tier four data center hubs in Perth, Darwin and Dampier and seven cable landing stations between Perth and Darwin. The data centers will initially be sized at 28 megawatts with the potential to expand to 60 megawatts. The project is planned to be funded with 650 million in senior debt and 850 million in equity. The infrastructure will provide connectivity domestically as well as to international business hubs in Malaysia, Singapore, Indonesia, Japan, and beyond in Asia Pacific. Also in Australia this week, Shell has completed the $2.5 billion divestment of a stake in the Queensland Curtis LNG common facilities in Australia to Global Infrastructure Partners Australia. The facilities include liquefied natural gas storage tanks, jetties, and operations infrastructure that service QC LNG's liquefaction trains. The 26.25% stake sale, which Shell on Monday announced has been completed following regulatory approval, leaves the operator with the majority 73.75% interest, aligning with its equal interest in the overall QC LNG venture. The Anglo-Dutch company has embarked on the sale of non-core assets to further high grade and simplify the company's portfolio. The QCLNG project comprises two trains with a combined nameplate capacity of 8.5 million tons per annum, receives its gas from a coal bed methane field in Queensland onshore Bowen and Surat basins. Lastly for today is a company update. French waste and water group Veolia has made a new proposal for the acquisition of its domestic rival Suez. Under the new proposal, Veolia would only require the international assets of Suez, while its domestic activities would remain a single entity. Meridium had originally been lined up to acquire only the French water activities and has confirmed its interest in taking over the new company, which would continue to operate under the Suez brand. Veolia would require Suez to drop the sale of two assets in Australia and Britain that it considers strategic to the offer. Veolia reiterated that it believed its 18 euro per share offer was a fair price and would not be increased. And that's all for this week. Until next Monday, I've been Maura Murphy and you're listening to the Proximo Weekly Debrief. Mm-hmm.